This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Friends, when I was 12 years old, I was probably about the same height I am today. No. <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I was invited to summer camp by a wonderful friend of mine. And I went to this summer camp where the theme was the book of Revelation and the end of days. (laughs) Now, said theme and scripture were not handed out to students prior to signing up for the camp. Okay, Probably a smart move on their part. While I was at that summer camp, I heard sermon after sermon preached on people vanishing into thin air, monsters coming up out of the sea, moons being turned to blood. Mmm, is right. (laughs) And I struggled to sleep each and every night of summer camp because I was afraid that Jesus might come back and somehow forget about me. Or worse, that I might not be on Jesus' list to begin with. So during one of our meal times, I sat down with the pastor of my church. And this is a summer camp in the heart of Louisiana. So when you sit down to lunch at a summer camp in the heart of Louisiana, you eat gumbo. So it was over a bowl of gumbo that I expressed my fears to my pastor. And I'll never forget what my pastor said to me. Pastor said, Angelo, if you don't want these horrible things to happen to you, You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then, once you've done that, you can be sure that you're going to heaven. He then went on to tell me about a special night at camp. Now, for all of you Christian summer camp faithful, you might know that oftentimes Thursday night is also known as commitment night. That's right. That's right. So he told me about commitment night. He said, the pastor is going to preach a great message. And at the end of that message, he's going to make an invitation to you. He's going to say, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come down the aisle, come to the altar. And he said, when he says that, go ahead, come to the altar. He's going to pray over you. And then you're good to go. (laughs) And then he left me with this. The first step is the hardest step. Thursday night comes around. Pastor preaches a great message. He makes the invitation. I run. I'm serious, y'all. There was no, like, hesitation. I didn't wait for the song to kind of die down. You know, none of that. I booked it, first one, first one, down there to the pastor that evening And I received this prayer and felt that I had been forgiven and that whatever horrible things I had heard about all week, I would not have to worry about anymore. You could say that the camp literally scared the heck out of me. That's right. That's right. Thanks for laughing. Thanks for laughing. It took me a while to come up with that one. Yes. So with that story in mind, and with that said, I invite you to turn in your scriptures to Daniel chapter 12. (laughs) Daniel chapter 12, where 
we will venture to wrestle with a topic that has been on my mind for the last 18 years. The end times. Da, da, da. Can y'all help me out? Can y'all go like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Now, as you are making your way through um, your scriptures, trying to find Daniel chapter 12, let me just say that we have been traveling through the book of Daniel this whole summer. We have gone through Daniel's, Daniel chapters 1 through 6, where we have seen the historical context for Daniel come alive. We've read those great stories that we recognize from those early chapters, such as Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, the handwritings on the wall. We have been reading each and every one of those stories. And last week, we made a turn. We made a turn to the latter part of Daniel, a portion of scripture we might call apocalyptic literature. Daniel starts to have these visions about the end. And in the last three chapters of Daniel specifically, chapters 10, 11, and 12, we are given this vision through the lens of Daniel where these kings are waging war against one another. There's kings in the north and kings in the south and kings all over the place. And they are fighting to establish their rule and their dominion and claim their authority over this land. And here in chapter 12, we see God step in. We see the inbreaking of God and we see a moment of hope that points to an end to all of these Wars. So I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord found in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. At that time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep the words secret and the book sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be running back and forth and evil shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and two others appeared, one standing on this bank of the stream and one on the other. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was upstream, How long shall it be until the end of these wonders? The man clothed in linen who was upstream raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by the one who lives forever that it would be for a time, two times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be accomplished. I heard, but could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are to remain secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many people shall be purified, cleansed, and refined, but the wicked shall continue to act wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. 
from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that desolates is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Happy are those who persevere and attain the 1,335 days. But you, go your way and rest. You shall rise for your reward at the end of the days. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, you have spoken your word to me. I pray now that I would decrease, that you might increase and speak it through me. And Lord, if necessary, speak in spite of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So right off the bat, I want to point something out to us this morning. It is important to understand that in terms of apocalyptic literature, we kind of get the good end of the deal when we read Daniel chapter 12. There are certainly other passages throughout Scripture that we could read that might point to circumstances that are more grim. But in Daniel chapter 12, we are really dealing in hope. And I find that to be helpful Because when we read and wrestle with apocalyptic literature, writings in the Bible that seek to talk to us about the end, when you read it from the perspective of the people that it was primarily written to, you come to understand that these aren't texts that are meant to instill fear. They are texts that are meant to instill hope. You have to remember that we are working with a group of people in the Hebrew people who are in the midst of exile. They are in the midst of exile. They are strangers in a foreign land. The Babylonians came in and took over Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They do not know who they are anymore. And they see their entire social existence as one of imprisonment. It's why it's so important throughout our scriptures that there's always a turn to hope and to deliverance. Because as the people saw the characters in these stories being delivered, they understood it as they themselves being delivered. So right off the bat, I want to point something out. Verse 1. Verse 1, we see that it says, At the time, your people shall be delivered. Now it's important that we read the words, at that time. Because the scripture is pointing to a specific moment. It's trying to instill a sense of hope in the people reading it. That there will be a moment when God will break in to their history and set them free. It's also important that we understand this word deliverance within the context of our scripture because as we have worked through Daniel, one of the things that we have seen come up time and time again are kings trying to establish authority and rule and dominion and us as readers always being reminded that those kings had a limited capacity. They had a limited capacity. 
So those kings, the extent of their wrath, the extent of their mercy, the extent of their benevolence only stretch so far. And how do we see that throughout the scripture? The kings either choose to kill people or to not kill people. That's what we see time and time again. The king wants someone to interpret his dreams. No one can do it. So he says, fine, I'm going to kill everybody. Then Daniel steps in and says, hey, I can do it for you. Please don't kill everybody. The king says, okay. All of a sudden, he's a good king. King Darius throws Daniel into the lion's den. But after a night in which Daniel returns faithful and unscathed by the lions, he chooses to set Daniel free and not kill him. Kings only have so much capacity, but when we read about deliverance in Daniel, it is always ascribed to God. Every single time, it is always ascribed to God. So it wasn't the king that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. There was a fourth figure in there. And that figure was a representative of God. God delivered them. And when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and came out unharmed, that was not the king's doing. It was God's doing. And the people who would read these texts would latch on to those characters. They would latch on to the Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednegoes. They would latch on to the Daniels because they would say, they represent our entire existence. And if God is going to deliver them, then surely God will deliver us. And as I've been reflecting on what it meant for Daniel to have visions of the end, the end. I also thought about all of those moments we just talked about, the fiery furnace, the lion's den, when Daniel's life was threatened over and over again. Where Daniel came into contact with some end time type of moments for him personally. And how his trust and his hope and his faith in God sought to show him that beyond the end, it was possible for a new beginning to exist. And that was only possible through God and through God's activity and God's work. And to make it a little bit more personal, I might seek to ask you to think about moments in your own life where maybe you have come into contact with an end time type of moment. With a moment that seems that you can't see beyond it. That is so stressful or so hurtful or so hard or so depressing that whatever darkness is found in that moment, it's hard to see the light beyond it. Maybe, maybe you have experienced those moments in health, in a diagnosis, in the diagnosis of someone you love and care about deeply, in the deteriorating health of someone you love and care about deeply, these moments that seem so dark that it's hard to see beyond it. Maybe you've experienced those moments in your relationships, whether it be through broken relationships with your parents or your children, or broken relationships with your friends, or broken relationships in your marriages with your spouses. That we come to these places where 
the darkness is so real and so thick that it feels like an end. But through Daniel, even here, even in chapter 12, even all the way up into this very moment, we are reminded time and time again that these ends are never truly the ends. They're never truly the ends, that God always has something more to say. And to be people of God means joining characters like Daniel and having this hope, this ability to see beyond, beyond the darkness, to see the ways that God might be seeking to deliver and liberate us. That's what this scripture was. That's what apocalyptic end time literature is. It's meant to be scriptures of hope and deliverance and liberation, not scriptures of fear. When I think about the end today, that's how I seek to approach it. Because when I first came into contact with thinking about an end, the end of time, it was presented to me as something to be feared. And that became the foundation through which I wanted to start a relationship with Jesus out of my fear. God does not present these texts to us to make us afraid. God presents these texts to us to remind us that regardless of what darkness you experience in your life, individually and corporately, that the light of Christ is bright enough to pierce through it, that God will always have the final word, that the final word will always be a word of victory. That is the joy that we find behind these texts so we can read about anguish and and desolation and, and see some of these more difficult images because that's what the people were dealing with. They were strangers in a foreign land. Their homes were being burned. Their families were being taken from them. But into that darkness steps God. And God brings forth something new. And creating something new out of nothing, creating beauty from ashes and rubble is the work of God. And it is work that our church steps into time and time again. And one of the ways that I've experienced that work in a real way, just in my short time as a pastor here at Apex, has been through the work of our our Apex Outreach Service Project, AOSP Ministry. The youth and the adults who took part in this ministry did incredible work to step into people's hopelessness and bring about hope. I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to invite you to hear these youth and adult leaders share their testimony about what that week meant to them.
mission work is something that you don't have to travel across the world to do. Um, because, like it says in Matthew 22, we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. So, I've been a part of AOSP. This is my third AOSP team. Uh, I've been a co-leader my first year and a group leader uh, the next two years that I did it. Um, each year, uh, I found it a very, very rewarding experience and seeing God in different ways in each of the times. So AOSP, like, this is my, uh, this was my fifth year doing AOSP and uh, it, you know, going throughout the years, you, you might start kind of, oh, I'm forced to do it, but you know, now I know collectively, like, this is one of my, this is my favorite week of the year and, and a lot of my friends too. We, uh, we love getting, you know, to serve others while serving God and it's, it's a big, um, it's one. Of, it's a big faith builder, uh, first of all, and it makes you feel really good, you know, to help to help those in need. It's a lot of hard work, and people throughout the week, especially Wednesday or Thursday, get frustrated. But it's really rewarding, and it gives you a whole new perspective of, for me, just how lucky I am and how thankful I can be about what I have. Um, and it also just makes you realize how unimportant some materials are. This year, it was this year was a little different. I uh, I really gelled like and bonded with my team, and we had a much stronger connection, like team base. Um, you know, I think it's really important to to get to know first, get to know the members of your team because you don't necessarily know everybody on your team. And then when you can, you know, have a conversation with them by the end of the week with a stranger on Sunday, and you know, you guys are talking with each other on Saturday. You know, that's important because um, you guys go to the same church. You know, you need to. It's good to be friendly with people, and uh, and it really helps you. It helps you realize that you know, you're all children of God. It surprised me a lot this year was how hardworking my team really was. All the teams are really hardworking. Don't get me wrong, but we just. Team Montauk just made the use of our time the whole week. We finished our project early on Wednesday. We had two trailers and we were doing flooring on one trailer and we were staining a deck and fixing the gutters on another trailer. And after we were done on Wednesday, we helped team Loggerhead and we finished two more trailers. And that's what I love so much about um, the theme of it being light, the lighthouse was that it, we were being lighthouses. We were going into a stormy situation. We were, we were walking into a place of darkness and we were shining light, like as bright as we could. Um, we were there to pierce the darkness and my team really pulled through with that. They really did pierce the darkness. AOSP is a perfect example of uh, following God's path and uh, bringing the light to the world. Um, you start off at any level you can, um, whether you're a master carpenter or somebody that can't hardly pound a nail. Something that had been on my heart was just that her home was no longer flooded with water. It was no longer flooded with um, pain and suffering. It was flooded with teenagers. It was flooded with the love of Christ. It was, um, it was flooded with good deeds and good work, um, and most of all, it was, it was flooded with love. And it was just, it was so beautiful to see God's light and His love and um, His compassion 
be flooded through her home. And the way they really express themselves, they're very spiritual. They, they're helpful. They're well-mannered. They're well-behaved. I just love them. I just really love them. I haven't seen anything like it. This is my first experience working with them, and they are very, very wonderful to be around. You better join next year. <laughs> it's going to be the best experience in your life. Amen. 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 All right, you heard Nathan. You better join next year. It's going to be the best experience of your life. At this time, I want to take a moment. Um, if if you were involved in the Apex Outreach Service Project in, in any way, whether that's you were a, a, a student, a youth, an adult leader, site supervisor, um, whether you came early in the morning and made breakfast or helped make dinner, whether you helped pack lunches, um, came overnight and served as a chaperone, if you touched this ministry in any way, um, I would invite you to, to stand at this time so we can recognize and give thanks for you. Yeah. Um, you, you serve not only as ambassadors from our church, but ambassadors to Christ. And, and you did that incredibly well. Thank you. Thank you. One of the ways that we're going to continue in this work, you know, one of the things that I loved was, was Madeline. She said, you know, we, we came into their home and their home was no longer flooded with water. Um, it was flooded with teenagers. It was flooded with hope. Um, and it was flooded with love. That's one of those ways that we connect people beyond the end to say that, you know, God can step in and create something new and create something beautiful. And we're going to continue that work. And one of the ways that we're going to continue that work in our church this week is through our Vacation Bible School ministry. Um, we're going to have, as I said earlier, so many children and volunteers engaged in, in sharing the love of Jesus and impacting the children of our community in real and tangible ways. And so just like we commissioned those who went to serve on AOSP, I want to take a moment to pray over those who are going to be volunteering at our Vacation Bible School ministry um, this week. So if you're going to be engaged in that in any way, I invite you to come on up Come on up at this time, and, and we're going to say a prayer um, over you. You guys can actually face that way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We give thanks. Um, for the time that these wonderful servants will give over the course of this next week um, to show children the love of God. Um, would you extend a hand of blessing to them as we pray over them? Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on these, your servants. Lord, fill them, empower them, equip them, 
remind them that they are loved by you, that you have called them for this ministry. We give thanks for the time that they will spend in relationship with the children of this community. We pray that your children would experience your love through these wonderful servants. We give you thanks, Lord, for your great grace and your great mercy that allows us to be in ministry with one another. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. As we wrap up on Daniel, hopefully one of the things that we have seen throughout the scripture is Daniel's hope, Daniel's faith, and his constant connection to God. Daniel is always pointing beyond himself and pointing towards God. He's always acknowledging his own limitations and speaking to how God is working through him. And we see this in several ways. We see this through his prayers, through his thanksgiving, through his adoration. We have a word we might use to bring all of those things together, and and, and really that's worship. When we worship God, we come together to acknowledge that this great God is worthy to be praised, that this great God fills up a space in our life that nothing else could fill. And that worship serves to transform us. To worship God was really Daniel's work throughout the Scripture. And so as we close this chapter and get ready to move into next week, we wanted to share with you that we're launching a new sermon series starting next week that's geared towards this concept of worship. What it means for worship to be work that we engage in and how it serves to transform us just like it transformed Daniel from the inside out. So next week, as we move back into our regular morning schedule, we have the four services. We invite you to come alongside us um, as as we engage with this topic of worship and how worship serves to transform us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your hope that is steadfast and never ending for the ways that you call us to see beyond the darkness and to know that no darkness is so great that it can drown out your light. Help us to join in the work that so many in our church have already engaged in of being your light in the world, of being people that point others towards you, of being people who point ourselves towards you for the ways that you have um, allowed us to engage your scripture this summer, specifically this book, we give you thanks. We pray that in your son's name. Amen.